0: All right, here we go. We're in a series on soul care. We're talking about taking care of your soul. Your soul is very important and I'm not going to go through it all again, but we live in a culture that today is very hard on the human soul. Amen. It is rough on people's souls uh, and we're getting worn out today and soul, I'm talking about your heart, your emotions, your will, the personality you have inside of you. People are having a rough time today. And it's rough on the human soul, as Jesus said it would be. But the Bible said this in Proverbs 4, guard your heart. Take care of yourself. And that makes it my responsibility to care for my soul. And I want to help you learn how to take care of your soul. And I want us to read again, we didn't last week, but I want us to read the foundational passage that we're using for this study in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where Jesus said this, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. If you are struggling, You're burned out and your life is hard. Come to me. And he said, uh, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Walk with me. Learn how to live my life. Learn from me. Let me teach you how to live instead of letting your culture teach you how to live. Let me teach you how to live. Walk with me. I'm humble. The Bible said you will find healing for your souls. Your soul will be restored and healthy. Why? Why? Verse 30, because my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I don't wear people out. I don't make life hard on people. There really is, I want you to believe this passage, there really is a place in the Scriptures where you can follow Jesus completely and you can live different. Let me make an announcement. If you want something different, you got to do something different. I'm preaching better than you Amen. Now, if you want something better, you can't do what everybody else does. All right. Today, we're going to talk about searching for the beautiful. Searching for this. I love this verse. I mean, I love them all, but this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. I've learned so much from one verse. We're going to talk about searching for the beautiful. Anybody here looking for anything beautiful? We all are. And we're going to talk about finding the beautiful, searching for the beautiful. So why don't you turn to to Psalm 27, Psalm 27, verse four. This verse will set you free to be who Jesus made you to be. Psalm 27. That's pretty good. This verse will set you free. be When I rhyme, you don't need to say amen. 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 Psalm 27.4. This is one of those great verses that just this verse will teach you a lot about your father you didn't know. Teach you a lot about your father you didn't know. Psalm 27.4. And we're going to talk about beautiful things today. Searching for the beautiful. Psalm 27.4 says this. Treat it with me. One thing I have desired. Stop right there. How about you? Is there anything you want? How many of you want something in life? Everybody I meet wants something. You know, that I, I told you before, and this really surprised me. 65%, almost two-thirds of graduating college seniors in a survey said when they were asked, What do you want out of life? Now that you're getting your education's done, two-thirds said we're looking for happiness. Well, they're looking, they got a desire. They want to be happy in lives. I do. Some people desire family. Some people desire money. Some people desire recognition, but the human heart's always wanting something. Well, one thing I desired. See if the next part is not true. One thing I desired. That will I seek. Isn't that the truth? Why do you do what you do? Because you're looking for what you want. If you desire something, you go after it. You know, if I desire to look like a Hercules, I'm going to the gym. If I desire to look like a Dr Pepper bottle, I'm going to Zach's hot dogs. <laughs> whatever you want, if, if I desire whatever, isn't that what we do? We live our lives driven by what we're looking for. You know, if you're looking for happiness, man, how in the world if there has ever been a hymn that was true? It is that old hymn that goes, "Looking for love in all the wrong places." My goodness, but there was we we desire something, so we seek it. Right, what do you desire? Let's learn something. Let's read the rest of it. One thing have I desired that will I seek that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty. There's the word. How many of you are living to look for beauty? what did this man say? He said, I, he said, I'm on a mission and I'm looking for something in my life and I'm looking for one thing. I want to see beauty. I want to see beauty. Now this not only a, uh, this was written by the great warrior musician, King David, but remember, this is the word of God and God's speaking to you here. You, hear, you know what I hear him saying in here? If you want a great life, live your life looking for one thing, beauty. Be on a search for beauty and uh, just make, make the goal of your life, not money. Don't even make it ha- difference. You can't find happiness looking for happiness. This book teaches happiness is a byproduct of looking for something else. Jesus said, happy are you if you learn how to wash people's feet. All right. But we're looking for something and we're looking for beauty. Now, let me tell you what I discovered after years in the ministry. I didn't think this was true to start with, but if Jesus says it, it is true. I'm going to say that again. If Jesus says it, it is true. To search for Jesus, to follow Jesus is to actually search for beauty. Let me give you my favorite verse on that. Matthew 13, 45 says this. The kingdom of God, walking with God, is like a man seeking beautiful Pearls. who found the most beautiful thing he'd ever found in his life and sold everything he had to get it. To walk with God is the search for beauty. To seek God is to seek the beauty of the Lord. You say, well, does that mean his face? You know, let me tell you something. He is the creator of everything beautiful. If there's anything beautiful on this planet, he painted it. He's behind everything. And our, we're on a search for beauty, looking for that. All right. Now let me teach you about your soul from scripture. And you'll see this. I want you to learn, learn this. Do you believe our souls were created by God? I don't even believe that God created everything about me and you. Not just my body. He created my personality. He created my heart. He created my emotions, my mind. Uh, He was there. My mother's womb was his workshop and he created me, knit me in my mother's womb. He created me a certain way, but listen to how he created our souls. He created our souls to thrive and shine on beauty. The human soul thrives on beauty. We were were created to to thrive on beauty. We were created to feed on beauty. All right, here's the flip. And this Bible teaches this. And you know this our souls die slowly with the ugly. Our souls die when they're baptized in ugly. We weren't designed to feed on ugly. We weren't designed to feed on the profane, the hateful, the divisive, the strife. We were designed to feed on the beautiful and we thrive on the beautiful. You don't even have to know God to know that. But our, our souls are designed to thrive on the beautiful. And uh, I want you to see that. I, I heard a preacher say something not long ago and I, thought, I don't know if he, I, I just thought I, that's the truth. What he said is the truth. Listen to what he said. He said, how many people are in mental institutions today because they could never find anything beautiful to look at. Bingo. Staring at the ugly all the time, being baptized and surrounded by the ugly and the profane and the harsh damages the human soul. But a soul that has learned to seek the beautiful will be the light of the world. Our souls thrive on beauty. You know that. We're created for that. That's the way the Bible put us together. And uh, I'm going to talk to you a minute about you are what you eat. All right, let me help you. Do you believe, how many of you believe in prophecy? All right, prophecy is where the Bible tells us the future. It's where our heavenly father's kind enough to tell us what's coming. Well, let me uh, say, Mr. Old Brother Brian, you fixing to be Mr. Negative. No, I'm fixing to be Mr. Bible for a minute. But let me tell you what the Bible teaches prophecy concerning the latter days as we move toward the second coming of Jesus. I believe we're living in the latter days. That bothers some people. I am packed up and ready to fly. But Jesus is coming back and in those latter days, listen what the Bible said about, I'm going to cut to the chase. Here's what the Bible said about the latter days. Going to get ugly on this earth. I'm not going to take six hours to show you. Amen to that. Can I get an amen to that? Let me just pull some out. 2 Second, Second Timothy 3.1. Know this. In the latter days, difficult times will come. Because men will be so self-centered, greedy. Times are going to be tough because folks are going to get ugly. You don't need a Bible. You can pick up a newspaper and see that. Go to Walmart. The book of Revelation teaches this. And if men around us become, quote, ugly, what does that do to our souls? One of the great passages, 2 Peter 2, I'll just quote it to you. There's a man named Lot. Does anybody remember Lot? The Bible called Lot a righteous man. Okay, if the Bible says he's righteous, he's righteous. I think he needs, I thought he could use some improvement, but none of my business. But Lot was a man that lived in a city called Sodom. Here called Sodom and Gomorrah. And it was a profane, filthy culture. It's filthy. He shouldn't have been there. I see, there I am, Mr. Preacher. All right, but listen to what the Bible said in 2 Peter 2. Lot, that righteous man, his soul was disturbed and troubled by watching how they lived day and night. It vexed his righteous soul. Just living in that mess just bothered him. He, should, he got out too late, but thank God he got out. But do you hear what the Bible says? Our souls were not designed to feed on the ugly. And we're, we're it, matter of fact, the Bible said it tormented his righteous soul. News torments me sometimes. And we're not designed for that. That's, that's not good for us to uh, live like that. Not to mention, let me throw this in here. It's not just the culture around me. There is an unholy influence in this earth called the evil one. And his title is, in the Bible, the book of Revelation, his title is the accuser of the brethren and he runs his mouth day and night and it ain't beautiful. Don't ever underestimate his power to affect the human soul. All right. But let me make an announcement. Yes, we're living in an increasingly ugly culture, but I want to make an announcement. You need to hear this. The beauty of my creator is still in the earth. It is still here. How could Psalm 274 be true if it weren't still here? Why would my father tell me to search for beauty if it's not here? Then was this here, how could I be a man searching for beautiful pearls if it, if it can't be found? I want to make an announcement. The beauty of our Creator is still in this earth. It's still here. I don't know if uh, I, I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but my Heavenly Father has whooped out His paintbrush recently. You say, well, things are so bad. You listen to what this Bible says. Listen to me. This book says, the earth is full of the glory of the Lord. It's out there. I saw it this morning. People will say to me, did you see in the news this morning what happened in Minnesota? My answer is no. And I want to say to them, did you go outside at daylight and hear the birds singing this morning? He said, oh, you're one of them. Yes, sir. I'm a tree-hugging machine. I'd grow my hair long, but it looks nasty at this age. There was the beauty of God is here. I just walked over to the children's section. they have more fun over here than we do over here. Don't hate me I was being cute. And I was standing and a little girl came she just smiled. she said, "You're bigger, aren't you?" She just smiled at me. She said, "I love you." See, there's that all stuff. Let me tell you something. You know what that is? The beauty of God is still in the Earth. I was driving. It takes me, I'm i a long, I live way out in the country. I don't want you to find me. I live way out in the country. It takes me about 30 minutes to get to town from the country. Sunday morning is the last great drive in America. It's the only time at daylight on Sunday morning when nobody's on the highways. They're all hung over from Saturday night. So I'm riding in there. And man, I, this time of year, now I'm a, a very amateur photographer. Plus I love the beauty of God. I always keep my camera in the seat right beside me in the truck there. And don't bother me a bit to whoop up in somebody's driveway. If I see something beautiful, I'll hop out and take a picture of the bush, and wave at him, say, thank you. <laughs> and uh, I'm driving in there and I, I saw, and it was like a uh, azaleas, about six different colors of it. I was just, I just had to stop and back in and stare for a little bit. You asked me, did you hear that on the radio this morning? No. The beauty of God is still in the earth. Right. Well, All right. It's this there. And uh, there is still music that can lift your soul into heaven instead of making it feel like you need a bath. There is music then sings my soul. I just constantly me to want to go, "Uh-huh." It's the purpose that he created. Listen to me, Satan never created anything in his miserable, pathetic life. Everything he's using he stole from the Father and perverted. Music being one of them. I love beautiful music. And it don't have to be Christian either. I'm sitting at a gas station. I hope this don't offend you. I really don't care. I'm sitting at a gas station the other day. And I'm getting gas, you know, and I'm just enjoying the Father's world. All of a sudden, a car pulls in there beside me and glass starts breaking. Home, 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 home. Glass starts breaking. And I'm sitting there trying to get gas and the most profane filthy. In my worst days I didn't talk like that. And I was bad. There's a whole new bad out there today. And I just thought this just lifts my soul up. Lord Jesus, don't hurt him. But let that gas tank catch on fire. But let me tell you something. There is beautiful out there. The beauty of God's music. There is still beautiful art everywhere. Personally, I think the art, artistic people, they think I don't know what I'm talking about. I do. I know art. Picasso didn't know art. I know it. I saw a painting of his sold for $8 million recently. $8 million. It was a woman's face. The eyes weren't even right. One eye was down here and one eye was up here. Everybody knows God put your eyes in a straight line across your face. Eight million dollars. I've got a friend, dear friend, a great artist. I said, all this modern stuff, is it really as wild? She said, no, some of it's just dumb. I said, finally. I'm walking with my daughter across the campus at Meredith College. And I said, sweetheart, that construction, construction debris has been out there forever. When are they going to clean it up? She said, that's a sculptor. (laughs) Sculpture. Beauty is out there. I'll take one of my father's mountains any day over your sculpture. With some beast, got a knife in his eye. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Rhonda. Help me, somebody. Beauty is still out there. People still know how to have beautiful relationships. How pleasant, how beautiful, when brethren learn how to dwell together in unity. People still know how to treat each other. It's out there. All right, the beauty's still out there. I just want to say. All right, now here, all right, let's let's shift gears here. Let me help you with another scriptural truth, and I want you to learn, see if you agree with me. The culture doesn't agree with me, and they're so ugly to me about this. I may have to have a half a baby aspirin to get to sleep tonight. You are what you eat. You are what you eat. What you feed on, you become. God so designed this human soul, you can't eat it and it not become part of you. What you feed on, you become. You are what you eat. And here's where I get in trouble with the culture. It's your choice. Everybody gets to choose. When I go to K&W, which means what? That's right. I'm old. When I go to k and W, I I walk down that line. They don't make me take anything. I get to pick everything I put on there. Everybody gets to choose. Now I want you to listen to what this book says right here. Your life is not what it is circumstantially. Your life is what it is because of what you fed it yesterday. Let's look at that. I want you to see it. Matthew chapter six. Jesus taught this in the Sermon on the Mount. This may be the most neglected teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, but it's one of the greatest truths. And you're going to, you'll agree with it once you see it. Matthew chapter six is where Jesus says, you are what you eat. You become what you eat. But if you feed, and I'm talking about physical food. You become what you feed on. Matthew 6.22. All right. Matthew 6.22, the Bible says this. You got it? I want you to see it in your Bible so you'll know if I'm telling the truth. Matthew 6.22. The lamp of the body is the what? Eye. eye. The, the lamp of your body is your eye. Watch these words. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Your eye, not anybody else's eye. Your eyes good, your whole body full of light. How many of you would like to be full of light? You may not know what that means, but that sounds good, doesn't it? All right, the Bible speaks of light as being the beautiful, love, joy, peace, hope, encouragement, freedom. How do I get full of light? What do I have to do? Got to get my eye good. Read the next verse. The Bible says this, verse 23. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of What? How would you like to be full of darkness? All you got to do is get your eye bad. You get your eye bad, you'll be full of dark. I know people that are full of darkness. You know why that is? What does Jesus say right there? It's because of your eye. Now you know it's not talking about your eyeball. It's talking about the focus of your life. What you choose to focus on dictates what you become. And if you want to be full of anger, strife, disease, criticism, envy, bitterness, you just stare at the wrong stuff. Stare at it long enough, you will become it. You want to be full of hope? You want to be full of light, full of peace, full of joy? Get your eye right. And you stare at it, and you will become that. Do you understand? This is the great, it's a simple principle, but it is so true. When I, I meet people in ages, I'll tell you what's wrong with young people. I'll tell you what's wrong with old people. I'll tell you what's wrong with people that's wrong. And I, I'll just, I'll tell you what's. They're not smart. Their eyes bad. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'll agree with you. Yes. they as ugly in the earth. I didn't know you were supposed to stare at it all the time. Stare at it, you will become like it. I'm going to make an announcement. The beauty of God is in this earth. John 5, 19. My father's working today. The glory of God's in the earth. Stare at it, you become like it. You, you are what you focus on. All right. Here it is. I'm going to encourage you. Focus on the ugly? Go ahead and say it for me. Become ugly. Focus on the beautiful. Become beautiful. Right? In the same sermon, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this, Matthew 5.14. He said, You are the light of the world. And I'm going to place you somewhere strategically. Every one of you, if you follow Jesus, he's going to put you somewhere. He sets you on a lampstand. Nobody'll they're not going to hide you in Montana in a bunker. He's gonna put you on a lampstand strategically, so you can what? Whine and moan and puke? Give light to the world. Does I have no light? The only way I can be the light of the world is stare at the light of the world. I gotta feed on light to be light. That's that. Gra- I just got to get eye right. Got to get, get your mind. As my daddy used to say, get your mind right, boy. All righty. Got to be careful of their focus. Listen to me. The focus of your life determines your attitude and your spirit. Your, it changes your soul. And listen to me. You may not want it to, but you can't stop it. We're designed this way. I've had teenagers, God bless their dear souls. James Dobson said, keep them alive until they're 22. They'll be alright. <laughs> I've had teenagers that were smarter than I was. And when I was 14, I was smarter than my daddy was. I've had teenagers say to him, you can't judge me by my friends. Your friends are the book cover I look at to know who you are, Doc. You know what this book says? Do not be deceived. Don't think you smarter than God is. Bad company corrupts. You can't be around something and it not affect you. Both ways, good and bad. I used to be the chaplain for our sheriff's department. And uh, bless the heart, law enforcement's a tough job you spend all day, every day staring at the underbelly of society and dealing with the most difficult of society. And I noticed as officers began to get 20 years on them, 25 years on them, they began to get very cynical and hardened. That's why it's such a hard profession. Divorce rates through the roof, maybe the highest suicide rate among any profession because of what you stare at all day. And I've had a few of them tell me, you just, You get hard, you get cynical, you get negative with this job because of what you stare at all day. And I've had many of them say this to me. I went into this thinking I could make a difference. Before long I realized you're not going to do it. And that's where the cynicism comes in. I talked to a lady recently she's a social worker. Been doing social work for 15 years. She finally quit. She said I got into this because I wanted to help people and change the world. And now she's just cynical and critical and bitter listen to me. You are not going to change this world. What Jesus said is going to happen is going to happen. But I going not make an announcement. I'm not going to change this world. I'm going to change somebody's world. I'm going to light my corner of this world. But I will not light my world by staring at this world. I will light my world by turning your eyes upon Jesus and looking full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim because his light is bigger. His light's bigger. And it, but listen, my choice, I get to choose what I stare at. I get to choose what I think about, but listen, listen to me. It determines my focus determines my attitude. But if I'm focused on the beautiful, guess what happens to me right here? All right. I've had friends and they're sort of, they're in a tough place. If you're in one of those jobs, that's just where you're baptized into ugly. You need to come up for air once in a while. It's okay to work underwater, but you've got to breathe once in a while. And they'll, they'll have what they call a vacation. And they'll go to the mountains. And they'll camp in the mountains and hike through the mountains for a week and they'll come back, they're a totally different person. You know why? They was baptized in beauty for a few days. So Brother Brian, nobody can live like that. You don't think so? Would you listen to my savior who is supposed to be running my life? I don't know that Jesus was obsessed with current affairs. I've read all four of the Gospels a hundred times. I saw Jesus speak about current affairs one time. Matter of fact, he was asked about current affairs one time. And you know what he was asked about? Police brutality. They had killed some people and it was wrong. And they came to him screaming and they asked him, and you know what he said? If you don't put your faith in me, you'll die just like they did. Yeah. That was his answer. And uh, I've had people say, well, you, you can't live in that. You've got to live in the real world. You call it the real world? Let me tell you what a disciple is. By the way, that's what we're doing right now. We're making disciples. That's our entire mission here. Go into all the world and make disciples. What's the one mark of a disciple? According to this book. Every disciple, when they've been perfectly trained, will become like their master. My goal is to be like Jesus. I'm going to be like Jesus. Well, Jesus never told me to listen to the news. He never told me to sit around and fuss and argue with people. He never told me to whine about how rotten it is. You know what He told me to do? In that same passage where He said, Be different than your culture, all these things your culture seeks, you don't do it. You live for something better. What's the next thing He said in that passage? Look at the flowers. Consider the lilies. Look at the flowers. You know what that means? It don't mean glance at them. It means stare at them for a little bit. He said, look at the flowers. He said, do you notice they don't toil and spin? He said, even Solomon, and his Solomon was the original GQ guy. Even Solomon in his glory wasn't dressed as beautiful. And then he said this, those flowers will be burned up in two weeks. He said, a flower never opens except my heavenly Father's hand does it. How much more valuable are you to this Creator than those flowers? He'll take care of you. And if that wasn't enough, then he said, all right. What's the next thing he said? Everybody remember? Look at the birds. He said, you notice how they don't have tractors. Well, he didn't say tractors. He said, you notice they don't, they don't plant, sow, grow. He said, they don't, have, they don't even have grocery stores, warehouses. He said, look how fat they are. He said, look how good they look. He said, not a bird on this planet falls to the ground apart from your father's notice. You are more valuable than many birds. But listen to what he taught. He didn't tell me to run around listening to the ugly. He told me to stare at the flowers. He told me to look at the birds. He told me one thing I've desired and that is to behold the beauty of God. I'm going to live my life staring at it. I'm looking for the beauty of God. I'm going to find the beauty and I'm going to stare at it. And uh, if you ever, um, you ever watch the sunrise over the ocean. Okay, the other half of you, watch it set. watch the sunrise over the ocean, you're looking at the beauty of God. That is the glory of the Lord. And I've had people do that. So it was so beautiful. And I said, more beautiful than having somebody throw up on you. (laughs) Dear ones, have you ever like been to dinner with with light people? you know what light people are? Light people are those people who are full of light. They're They're just full of Jesus. They're just full of light and they're full of hope and they're full of faith. They're full of joy and they're at peace. They're not mad at nobody. They don't grunt. You go to dinner with them people and you come in and you just think, man, that was good. God, that was good. When you spend your life staring at the light, you become light. It, it affects you. It changes you. I'm fixing to ask some real simple questions. Don't want to be complicated about this thing. If you are baptized in beauty, you will become beauty. Now you see, this modern mindset says nobody can live that Pollyanna life. Pollyanna did it. I thought she had a pretty good life. My Savior did it. I thought he had a great life. Can I get a witness? Listen, when you're in that tense demon mess like he was in all the time, one of the great verses to remember, they said this, and Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness. If you're in that kind of work, ambulance driver, policeman, Public school teacher on medication. Preacher, preacher. I don't know what it is about me since I became a preacher. There must be a sign on my chest that says throw up on me. I do not understand what it is. It's just like, oh, you're a preacher. Oh, oh. That's why I got 142 cowboy shirts. I have to change them all the time. I go in this little shop down in Seagrove not long ago I was going to buy my wife something Went in there. Nobody in there except the man that owned it, the potter and me. Got up there and I we were talking to me. He said, what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. He said, oh, oh, oh. Glad you're here. And I thought, well, here we go. He said, uh, I need to talk to you. I said, what happened? He said, well, my wife left me. I said, that's bad. He said, oh, that ain't bad. He said, about a year ago, she moved her mother in with us. And said, when she left, she left her mama. Oh, we're not done yet. That ain't the worst part. She took my dog. He said, I want my dog back. I did enjoy talking to him. It's too bad about your mom-in-law. Dear ones, you got to come up for air. You cannot feed on the ugly all the time and your soul not just be defiled. Got to, you got to find the beauty. You've got to search for beauty. You've got to find the beauty and you've got to stare at it. All right, can I ask you a simple question? If we, we know this. This is so simple. If we know that staring at the ugly damages us, here's my question. Why do we do it? I'm not, I'm not being critical. I'm not being hard on you. I know why we do it. Here's the answer. And this again is in Matthew. So in chapter 7 it said this. Broad is the road. Easy is the road that leads to difficulty, trouble, destruction. Narrow is the road, a little harder, that leads to a great life and an eternal life and few. Here's human nature. We will take the easy route if we can. But it was the easy route's not always the best route. The easy way is not always the best way. Uh, let me give you some instances to see if you agree with me. It's easy to come in after a hard day's work and plop down in your chair and turn on the one-eyed idiot and let it puke all over you. That's easy. Anybody can do that. A little bit harder to put on your hiking shoes and go walk in the woods and behold the glory of the Lord. But it's better for you. It's better for your soul. It's, uh, It's easy to just get in the car and turn on the radio and let them throw up whatever they're throwing up on you. A little more difficult to work and find stuff that thrills my soul, lifts me up into the heavenlies. Why don't, you, why don't you put God's favorite singer on? Which is? That's you. you says, oh, you don't know me. You don't know him. Sing unto the Lord. Praise from the upright is beautiful to him. You're his favorite singer when you're in the car. Why don't you just turn the stupid thing off and you sing to him. And listen to me, sing loud. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get me one of them thumping things. I'm going to put one in my truck and I mean, it's going to be one that breaks glass. And the next person that puts that thumper on me and tries to aggravate me, I'm going to hit a button. And stadium speaker's going to rise out the bed of that truck and point down. And I'm going to play Amazing Grace so loud he'll never hear again. I'm being silly. it is human nature. Human nature just to stare at the news takes a little more effort to open this book and read the good news that brings great joy. What's the first thing God Almighty ever said after His Son came to this earth? What's the first thing He ever said? Does anybody remember? Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. We need good news of great joy rather than bad news of more stupidity. Can I get a witness? All righty. Okay, let me get in bigger trouble. I'm fixing to really get in trouble now. It's easy just to sit around with the pukers and let them puke on you. It takes a little more effort to find the edifiers and say, talk to me. I got, that's one of the smartest things I ever said, and I got one amen out of that. Here's the point. If you want better, you got to, you're going to have to put out a little more effort you got to search for beauty constantly. Daylight to midnight. you got to search for the beauty all the time. alright I'm going to say a word about culture. I pray I don't offend you. I really don't come up here to offend people. I really do want to help. I pray right before we hit them steps. Help me help people today. Our culture is saying, here's the message of our culture that's being blasted to you today. People are like they are, and it is somebody else's fault. That's, just put it all in a nutshell. That's it. Nothing's my fault it's everybody else's fault, nothing's my fault. I mean, that's called wokeism. That's the woke today. Woke. If you woke, that's you. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not being a smart actor. I love you, but the message that's being pounded into this, and listen, you are damning the people that are struggling by telling them that. But the message is nobody's responsible for anything. You are what you are because of what somebody else is. All right, what somebody else did. But now, this book right here, I want you to listen to the voice of God, listen to what He says. You are where you are and what you are because of what you choose to focus on. Let's let's say that word with me. Choose. Choose. Okay, now listen to me. Let me, let me Let me be fair here. You say, well, you're on the right. I'm with an entirely different kingdom. I don't do right or left. Seek you first the kingdom of God. I know things are not fair. My life was very unfair to start with. But let me tell you what this book says right here fair or not fair. You walk with me and put your faith in me. I will turn the tables in your favor. You seek ye first the kingdom of God. He will turn your tables. He, he will not only level the playing field. He'll put you at the very top up and let you roll down. All right. Now, now the question is which one is right? What does the Bible say? There was, people say you can't live like this. Yes, you can. Let me tell you something. You're answerable to one person. You have one master and you can do anything he tells you to do. Don't let this sick culture tell you how to live. Don't let them tell you how to think. Don't let them tell you how to breathe, dress. You live like your king tells you how to live. And let me tell you something. This sick culture will take you to hell. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He don't tear it up, beat it up, leave it pathetic. He helps people. When you decide, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back 100%. Here we go. We're going to do this. Take care of your soul. Live your life to search for beauty. And Listen to me. I'm obsessed with this thing. I do it all the time. From daylight to late at night. Find me something beautiful to stare at. It's out there. i got to tell you a story about my buddy Peter Lord. Peter Lord's guy who wrote the book Hearing God. It's sort of the manual handbook for how to listen. And he, uh, he was a pastor in Florida. And he said, we had a wedding reception at my house one day. And I love my kids, college kids. And they got married. I did the wedding. and so said, we're having the reception. And I walked out of the house after the reception. And standing out on the sidewalk is one of the groomsmen. And he is staring at a bush. He said, you know, I had bushes beside. He's just staring at this bush. And I just watched him. He's just staring at this bush. And he, he was looking, just looking hard at that bush. I thought, what is he doing? So I said, I walked over and I said, what are you doing? He said, Mr. Lord said, you, you got 16 different kinds of crickets in that bush right there. 16. And uh, Peter Lord said, i never seen a cricket around here. Oh, he said, oh, I can't see him either. He said, but listen, yeah, I've, I've heard 16 different kinds in there. And uh, Peter said, I don't hear nothing. Well, yeah, yeah, I did hear something. And the guy was at, he was at the University of Florida. He was getting his PhD in uh, bugology. That's not the proper name for it, but maybe epistemology or, yeah, epistemology. Bugology is what it was. And he was studying bugs. He'd been studying bugs for years. And he'd learned to identify with his ear different cricket sounds. 16. Peter Lord asked him, said, how many can you identify? He said, I can do about 200 now. I didn't know my Heavenly Father made 200 different kinds of crickets you know what Peter said, I walk by that bush every day of my life, never knew there's nothing there. And this guy who had trained himself to look for him, he found 16 different kinds right there. The beauty of God is in this earth. The earth is full of the glory of the Lord. My daughter did me a portrait. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. There is no language where he does not speak. I mean, the earth is full of the glory of the Lord, full of the beauty of the Lord. But you got to do what? Train yourself to look for it. All right? right, I'm, I'm going to tell you something beyond stupid. This is beyond stupid. To illustrate where I think our culture's headed. Would you, play, would you cite me for a minute? We, you, I had a daughter who went to Appalachian, so we'd go up in there and hit them hippie shops around Boone. Got all them hippie shops, you know, they sell, sell that smoking stuff. But do some pretty good artwork in there. We'd go in there and look around. And I'd laugh at it. I bought my, gosh, I shouldn't say this. I bought my wife a pair of earrings. It was two Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer Bud Caps off the bottles. <laughs> I think I gift of three dollars is worth it just to see her get mad. Even I bought it for <laughs> Throw them nasty things in the garbage. <laughs> but you know you go in there, they got good artwork, great woodwork up there. So I go in this shop, this didn't really happen, you'll know it is because it's too stupid to happen. I go in this shop and all of a sudden there's a painting there on an easel and I look at it, it's the most beautiful painting I've ever seen. It's an outdoor scene. It is beautiful. And I'm standing there going, man, God's beautiful. And a man walks up and he says, You like that? I said, That's the most beautiful. I'm going to buy it. That's the most beautiful picture I've ever seen. And he says, I painted it. Wow. And I say to him, Shut up. <laughs> you shut up. You didn't paint that. I went to college. My professor told me, "Nobody paints art. All art came out of an explosion years ago." He said, "There is no artist. It all just came out of this giant explosion. It's where everything artwork came out of. I don't doubt some art came out of it. but said, said's where it came from. And I called the manager. I said, "Get this. Get him out of here." He says he painted this stuff. Everybody knows that's explosion. He needs to go to college to learn what I learned. Would that be stupid? How many of you vote? That's stupid. So why are we doing it in our culture? If you've ever seen the sunrise, you have looked at the artwork of God. If you've ever seen a baby look up at you and smile, you have looked at the artwork of God. If you've ever seen anything beautiful on this earth, you are staring at the artwork of God's hand. And our culture wants to throw him out and say all this came out of an explosion. Let me help you. Let me help you. I know about explosions. When I was a boy, I was bad news. I blew a few, I blew my daddy's garage up making a homemade bomb one time. I got hurt, had to go to the hospital. Third degree burns. Eleven's a little young to be making bombs. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Gasoline bomb, sure did. Put me in the hospital. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what I learned about explosions. You don't get beauty and order out of explosions. I, I never blew anything up. My daddy goes, son, that's real good, Russ. Right? That's just beautiful never happened. You say, brother, only an idiot would think that good beauty comes out of explosions. Tell me about it. You you laugh at me having faith to believe that there's a God who created everything. It takes more faith to believe that all this beauty came out of an explosion. Talk to me. All right. Are you with me? Now listen to me. The beauty's there. Everything beautiful's there. I don't know if you're, can I throw a thought out here for you to think on for a second? I don't know if you ever thought about this, but hell is a place, and it's real because that book says it's real. Let me tell you what I think the worst thing about hell is no beauty. None. Because hell is the absence of everything God is. There's no color because He's the author of all color. There's no smile. There's no unity. There's no joy. There's not a flower there. Hell is the absence of everything beautiful because my father is everything beautiful. On the other hand, there's this other place and it is beauty magnified without man boogering it up. This is my father's world. The rocks and trees, the skies and seas, they declare his beauty. I'm going to throw this one more in. I got a preacher friend. He's a little warped. I know he is. I've always wondered about him, and I work with him. <laughs> He's a little younger than I am, and I go in his office recently. And you know, like the desk sits here, you guys, and, the, and then you got the big picture on the wall, your main picture. But people got main pictures in their house. And you, by the way, what you hang on your wall reflects you. <laughs> so change them before I come to dinner. It reflects you. <laughs> got this big picture on his wall, and I look up at that picture, and it is a city of the skyline of the city of. I'm the picture of the skyline of the city of Charlotte. I just looked at it. I said to him, you're touched. I said, you're nuts. I said, you, you got a picture of a dingy gray build? That's the best you can find to put on away. He said, man, I he said, I love Charlotte. I said, you're now I know you're touched. I said, you can't find anything in my father's world? Put a picture of a tree up there, Doc. Heck, do like I do and hang up stuffed fish up there. That'd be better. No man's ever created anything beautiful as my father has. And the beauty is out there. But you're going to have to find it. And you need to live to search for the beauty of God. Let me tell you about the real Jesus. Let me tell you what he does. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He makes all things beautiful in his time. And I'm telling you, he will rule in this thing. Your soul will thrive on this stuff. If you want different, you got to do different. All right. Say, Brother Brown, I just... I don't know that God wants me sitting around staring at the beautiful all the time. Well, can I ask you a personal question? Why did he write in his word, which is him speaking to you, one thing I have desired that will I seek that I might behold the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life and inquire in his tabernacle. By the way, it it said in the house of the Lord. This is not the house of the Lord. Construction workers built this. I'm thankful for it. Glad the seats are soft wish they weren't quite as soft. Some of you'd stay awake through the whole sermon. (laughs) This is not the house of the Lord. House of the Lord is out there. That's the one he built out there. This is my father's world. And you got his permission to live your life turning the garbage off and living your life beholding the beauty of the Lord. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you. When your word talks about holy. He he is holy. Father, the word holy is the same word as beautiful. That's why it says worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Father, holiness just means nothing that defiles. I thank you for the beauty of God. I I thank you for the beauty of the Lord in our children's faces. True romantic love between a man and his wife through the years. Our, Our trees, the coastal plains, the Blue Ridge, you have spoken. Your word says the first place we learn about you is not even the Bible. The things created bear witness. Thank you that you've shown us how beautiful you are by what's around us. Thank you for the ugliest, most beautiful tree that ever stood. Thank you for the cross. The cross had to be the ugliest tree there ever was. But no place has beauty ever been revealed like at the cross where we see God so loved this world. Even in our sins, even in our rebellion, even in our selfishness, our sins could not blot out your love. I thank you that the love of God is greater than our sins. Thank you that where our sin abounded, grace, the love of God was much greater. And I praise you for revealing yourself at that cross. Oh, the, the ugliness of sin revealed at the cross, but the beauty of God's love shown in that place. I pray for every person in this room. If they have never bowed their hearts to Jesus and said, "I, you're what I'm looking for. I've been searching for something all my life and I've been looking for love in all the wrong places and I find it at the feet of Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name, dear Holy Spirit, open hearts and soften hearts in this room to come to you right now. Trust you as our Savior. And if you hadn't, if you're not following Jesus, if you had not given your life to Him, let's do it right now. See right there where you're at. With a childlike heart, pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross because you love me. I believe you rose from the grave because you are almighty. And I believe you're coming back to this earth one day. I want to be ready. I turn from my sin right now. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I come to you, Jesus. From this day forward, you are my Savior, my Lord, the love of my life. Thank you for promising me that you would save me if I called on you. Teach me how to love you. Teach me how to follow you. Teach me how to walk with you. From now on, it's your life. And I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. If you prayed that minute, raise your hand real high. Put it up real high where I can see it. Thank you. Put those down. I give you the praise and glory and honor. Thank you, Father, that nothing we could do could stop you from loving us and searching for us. I praise you that if a man had a hundred sheep and lost one, he would go after it till he found it. What a good Savior you are. And now, Father, I pray for every person in this room, those that were saved, been saved for years. Oh, dear Jesus, deliver us from the trap of our culture saying, stare at the profane, And let us hear our Savior saying, lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence comes my help. And fix your eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, lest we become weary and discouraged. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.